the Worldcraft Club Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, a time devoted to world building and its impact on narrative, where we discuss any and all topics involving the crafting of fictional settings to inspire your creativity. My name is James. And my name is Seth. And we are your hosts for this delightful time. Since the show presently has no sponsors, we are going to be running fake ad reads. These ads are intended as parody and should not be taken as anything but parody. This episode brought to you by Corgi Butts. So, Seth, um, what's the deal with GameLit? What is GameLit? GameLit is pretty much the hottest new subgenre of sci-fi that's out there. Now, this is really, it's kind of confusing because I say it's a subgenre of sci-fi. Almost every game-lit novel is set in a fantasy setting. So get that, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But it is technically sci-fi because we're dealing with future technology. Yeah. So generally that means some sort of full immersion virtual reality or partial immersion virtual reality. Um, regardless it's always a video game yeah so the definition of gamelet is pretty simple all a book needs to be part of the gamelet genre is that it needs to involve a character playing a game yeah and they have to know that it is a game (laughs) so you can't sneak it up on them that's right they have to know it's a game otherwise it's just an m night Shyamalan movie Oh, yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. Um, the only the only other piece about GameLit is that the game has to be a video game. Hmm. You know, you can't... I mean, you can. You can write a book about somebody trapped in a game of Monopoly. Yeah. But if it's not video game Monopoly, uh, it's not GameLit. And also, it would take three hours, go nowhere, and everyone would be mad by the end of it. Or at least that's exactly. how... Exactly. Nobody family. would be friends. Yeah. once it's done um so like as as a concept um uh gamelet gamelet we've established can be kind of broad but it's kind of you know it when you see it we know at the very least it has to involve a game and that has to involve a person who is playing the game we think most of the time knowingly usually in sort of a sci-fi setting yeah so th- this is a, a very unique sort of um subgenre or genre synthesis so when we talk about world building with regard to it, we're going to face some unique challenges, right? We are, yeah. Uh, there are some specific things that, that come up as problems for the writer and come up as barriers for the reader as they're, mm. as they're, um, as they're experiencing the story. They really need to, to kind of grapple with these different things. Yeah. That's excellent. So um, what, what, what's a good one then that we run into on a, on a typical basis? So progression is actually probably the, the biggest challenge that an author has to deal with. This is a challenge for the author specifically because when you create a game, you are moving a person from one place to another place. So you're taking them from... A, from zero points to 13 points if you're playing settlers of Catan, you're taking them from zero points to 21 points if they're playing ping pong 
you know, whatever the game is, you are taking them from somewhere to somewhere. Now, in video games, this progression, and especially in RPGs, which is generally what Gamelet deals with, you are taking a person from level zero up to some number of levels, and they are progressing through a story, and they are progressing as a character. Their character grows, their character uh, gains abilities, their character gains all sorts of advantages or um, sometimes disadvantages, but they make progress through a story through the story. This is a this is a problem because I, I, I say problem. This is a challenge because at the same time that the, your character is progressing through the game, yeah, they yeah. need to be progressing through your story. They also need to be growing as characters, as as themselves, as people, right? Yeah. So you have this dual growth of my guy is getting a cooler sword and a fun ability to use with the sword because he's been killing mobs and getting experience on the one hand. And on the other hand, he's been having relationship troubles with his party. And so he's got to grow as a person to overcome those. Wow. Yeah. I, I can see that as being an issue because it's it's almost it's almost like helpful, you know. You've got this um this shorthand for your character's growth. You can say, you know, they've gained a level, they've gained some, they've hit some milestone. But at the same time, you get so caught up in that that you forget that the point of a lot of these stories. I mean, hey, the, the point of uh, say the hero's journey, right? The uh, the, mm-hmm. the frequent basis for a lot of a lot of fantasy storytelling. Um, is that you, you need to see the character come up against something insurmountable. And the insurmountable thing can't just always be the bigger dragon that they have to kill. And so they need the bigger sword to kill the bigger dragon. Because that... Yeah, that gets boring really fast. Yeah. That gets really boring really fast. But you could also definitely use that for a cheap thrill at some point in the book, provided that it's not, and I say cheap thrill in terms of um, you've kind of done the labor of establishing the difficulty of the progression. You've kind of got this sense of, oh, level 10, no characters are level 10 in the game. Oh my gosh. And then just as the moment of defeat comes, you know, it's been a while since the characters gained a level and uh, he or she does something just really heroic. And then he goes like, bah! gains all his health back, level 10, you know, like there's, there's a sense that you, you, you have like this prepackaged like system for, uh, for, you basically have said, um, uh, here's the story and we have pre-laid out all of the MacGuffins. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like, no, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. And, and that's actually really, so it's, it's complicated because it's very helpful on the one hand. But it's dangerous on the other because there's a real there's a real danger of taking the the progression, the game progression and allowing that to replace your character development. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At the same time. Nobody wants to read a book about somebody who logs into a game and then doesn't progress through the game and just messes around building their character. It's um, an interesting thing is that there's actually 
uh, South Park dives briefly into game lit in an episode yeah. they have because they, they play World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah. And um, there's a scene where they're, they're just getting trounced by this guy who's just weirdly powerful, who just plays all the time, and they kind of pan him once in a while. And then they're kind of like, you know what we have to do to beat him? We've got to kill boars. And they're like, what, boars? Yeah, boars. So they just like hang out in this one part of town and just wipe out the boar population. They just like <laughs> hammer it for ages. It keeps respawning to the point where they're just incredibly powerful because they've just they've just gone piece by piece and i could absolutely see because grinding is part of the culture of online games as you know you you, and it's the satisfaction you feel on gaining that level or gaining that piece of that rare drop or something Mm -hmm. like that that drives you but that does not drive a reader (laughs) it does not drive a reader and that's challenging well I, i mean i guess another aspect of this is that like these payoffs in progression are only really valuable if you have a pre-established and well-understood set of rules. And that strikes me as another problem that you might encounter. Because if, you know, the, uh, the, the, angel, the angelic chorus and the, and the words level 10 appearing don't have meaning unless the reader understands that they do and can reasonably see that that progression has taken place so they need to have this sense like oh you know well that's a good point at level nine he did x y and z and you know it has been established already that in order to reach level 10 you need to kill this particular monster or something like that and he didn't get that because he hadn't developed this you know it's like there's a sense that you have to follow that but even as i say this i'm getting lost in the complexity of it for sure so this is rules are another really big problem so on the one hand you have progression right which is going to either which you have to balance between good character development, but also actually moving through the game because that's the point of your book. Yeah. Rules are a whole nother issue that that creates a very complex problem because on the one hand, all games have rules. And in order to be a good game, the rules have to be clear. They have to apply to everyone. And they have to be able, they have to be complex enough that they result in interesting situations. Because if you have a game that is, people don't play games for very long that are very, very simple. You would not be able, well, okay, somebody might. I think it's very unlikely that someone would be able to write a successful game-lit novel about playing tic-tac-toe. As thrilling as that might be right? for an individual playing it. Absolutely. So on the one hand, your rules are very clear. They apply to everyone, but they're not very interesting and they're not complex. Now, a problem that a lot of game-lit gets into is that the rules are interesting and complex. They result in interesting situations, but they're not clear and they don't apply to everyone, which can lead to a real sense of frustration on the part of the reader that things are not fair. And I'm not talking about the hero suffering more than other people, because there's a yeah. there's recognition that in the hero's journey, the hero is going to have to suffer, right? Yeah. And yeah. so they have to things, lose. Absolutely. Things happening to the hero that are not good that that's okay what what's really frustrating to a reader is when there are clear and blatant rule violations Mm. 
right? Because that's cheap. Yeah, and and the thing that's interesting about that is like um, so if you've ever played uh like with dangly toys for cat with cats, Mm -hmm. um, they even get bored if the rules aren't fair. Like if all you do is yank it away from them every single time, you don't let them get it. They just get bored and walk away. And this is something that even cats understand. And cats, I can attest to my cat Mambo is sat here right now. They understand very little. Uh, But but they get this. They -hmm. get when the rules aren't fair. And as we talk about rules in books, like the interesting thing is that this harkens back to um, episode one where we discussed what world building is. World building in many ways is establishing rules. So this gamelet concept applies... Um, specifically to the genre, yes, but to broader understandings of world building as well, but it has some unique challenges in it, as your rules have to be far more, I think, um, explicit, I think I would yeah. say, in order to give it the absolutely. sense of the game. It needs to be, the lines need to be bold. So you're absolutely right. Uh, world building, again, process of drawing the boundary around the world, saying what is permissible and what is not permissible, right? Yeah. So if I'm in the game, and I hit a goblin with my sword, and it dies, and I get experience. What I cannot do as an author is, 10 chapters later, have my character hit a goblin with a sword and not get experience unless I explain that this is the case for everyone. So for instance, leveling, getting to such a high level that the monsters you're killing don't give you experience anymore. Hmm. Sure, that's fine, but but that means that the bad guy can't grind on those goblins forever either. Yeah. Right? The rules have to apply across the board. Now, a lot of game lit yeah. get by by saying, I am not going to make the rules, I'm going to have a general framework that everybody has to follow, but we are not going to make the rules completely explicit initially, and we are going to force the characters to learn the rules over time. That's an interesting concept as well. Because, I mean, as, as I was talking about my cat earlier, like, the cat does not understand the rules. Like, there's no specifically delineated, like, number of times I'm supposed to uh, swing the little um, dangly toy to get her attention. but. She intuitively knows that it's not fair. It's a little bit like, how do I know something sci-fi? I know it when I see it kind of thing, you know, as we talk about genres that are changing. Right now, we're going to take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Corky Butts. Did you know that the idea for three-quarter length pants came from the humble Welsh Corgi? Their little butts appear to be adorned in the short, furry pants that are just delightful to see. It's no wonder that the internet has fallen in love with them. Lack of corgi butts in your Google image search has shown to be the leading cause of anxiety in adults between 18 to 30. Don't become a statistic. Go and find yourself a corgi butt right now. www.google.com forward slash corgi plus butts. That is www.google.com forward slash corgi plus butts. We will put a link to several Corgi butts in the show notes, so there's no excuse for you to not go find yours today. So, uh, Seth. Um... <laughs> Sorry. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, Seth, uh, 
it seems as if there are some ways to navigate around rules as well. Like um, one example might be adding a human touch, like a moderator uh, could even be an AI. Yeah, and a lot of and a lot of games do delve into the, the idea of AI um, because it's helpful to not have have a human in control because humans are naturally biased and everybody knows that. Yeah. And AI, you can at least pretend is not biased. I mean, realistically, all AI is also biased because yeah. somebody yeah, yeah. programmed them. That's how AI works. But absolutely, you can pretend that AI is not biased. Mm. And so it's helpful. It's a helpful trope to have an AI moderator. But you could also have you could also have human moderators. You can also have you know people who are in charge of making sure the game continues running. Moderator as villain would be an interesting narrative, as it's as it's so often true on the internet. Yeah, that one's hard. Yeah. That one's hard because one of the things that this genre brings with it is an implicit understanding that that some things cannot be beaten. Yeah, that's right? oof. because because yeah. your only ability is based on your stats in the game and everything you do has to follow fall inside these rules. Yeah, right. We, so we just talked about rules um, and this is why to harken back to the beginning of our conversation, it's so important that you have not only good character development, but also good game development progress through the game right yeah because if you yeah. always if your character just stays at level one or level two or level three in the beginner area they can't beat the world boss there's literally nothing they can do to beat yeah. the world boss there's no amount of luck they're simply outstatted they're just simply outstatted right it's like yeah. when you're playing wow and you're running through you know you're running through your map and all of a sudden you see somebody from the other faction with that with that skull instead of their level yeah and you say oh crap yeah peace you're out i might as well just log out because yeah, yeah. there's no way i can win this fight i'm simply outclassed on a fundamental level right no matter how good i am at playing the game i am simply outclassed it's fascinating when you create these worlds and you're and you're working through this stuff there are some things that are going to be prepackaged knowledge that your gamers are going to bring in that your other readers might not. And so the whole thing of just being, um, just being absolutely overwhelmed by a bunch of mobs or something is yeah. something that a, a, a game player would have some context for. But somebody coming at it at random, like um, if you don't have an understanding of how games operate, like the presence of a HUD uh, being yeah. you know, kind of the ever-present thing and things like that, they may just take their baggage from real life into it and say well you know i mean he's surrounded by bad guys but like why can't he just use that explosive fire spell and he goes oh because there's a cooldown it's in the rules what's a cooldown uh, you know yeah. like you can yeah it's it, it would be easy yeah this partly phases into rule complexity but also kind of tropes that get dragged along by your uh, by your target market who really are gamers absolutely so so culturally gamers know at least people who play RPGs know the rules. At the end of the day, almost all RPGs follow the same basic set of rules. Yeah. You do something, you get a reward, your character levels up and becomes better. You then can do something to get a reward and your character level up, levels up and becomes better. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the things get harder. That's right. The things get harder, but you are getting better. And there's this there's this joint escalation, right? Everybody in an RPG knows if you're level one, you cannot run into the level 10 area and fight mobs. Yeah, you're, you're going to get your butt handed to you. Yeah, people yeah. are going to rip you apart. Yeah. So those are that's all implicit knowledge, though, right? Yeah. That is that is never explicitly stated when you get into a game. It doesn't say, oh, by the way, don't go into that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually it's because right? they're trying to funnel you through some beginner quest or something. And they don't exactly. they don't want you to go there. And they also don't want to put like a, a challenge that I think a lot of game developers run into, especially in the era of open world gaming, is you want to put limitations on your players. You want them to go through a progression that allows them to learn the game in a safe way. But at the same time, you don't want to put really weird hard boundaries where you just walk into an invisible wall and it goes, there's nothing beyond here. Yeah, the invisible wall is the worst. Like, legitimately, it's the worst, which is why you now, like, most people use some sort of realistic or, or semi-realistic natural boundary. Yeah, that's, um, that's neat. So not letting yourself kind of fall over the niche culture, you know, not tripping over your tropes. That is a great book title. This is actually a really, uh, a really challenging thing as well, because it's really tempting in our day and age to write in meme. And what I mean yes. by that yeah, yeah, yeah. is in using hyper-specific references that a select group of people are going to get and not only are going to get, but are going to appreciate. Yes. But, so a great example of this. If I am writing a gamelet story and the hero comes across a character that is a, uh, a monkey with small angel wings on his back like a yeah. gorilla with small angel wings on his back yeah. um, who who is maybe playing a some sort of like angelic character yeah a lot of people are going to get the reference to harambe they're going to say oh, oh i i know who this is oh. but Somebody who does not have the the cultural understanding yeah. of that meme yeah. is going to miss is going to miss it. Jeez, I completely missed it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. so the same thing is true when we're dealing with with these ideas, this implicit cultural knowledge from games. So uh, I had an experience with this actually that kind of opened my eyes to it when I was writing the first book of Novaterra, Novaterra Titan. Mm. I wrote the book, I gave it to my dad to proofread. He read through it and then he sent me a whole bunch of questions which were like why does he have a map? What is what, what, did he buy one from the store? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like he, he has he has yeah. he has not acquired a map up until this point, and now you say he has a map. Is what he putting heck? thumbtacks in it? How does he know where he's going? Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah oh, uh, completely logical. Yeah. The he said, What's a mob? Like a mob is a giant group of people, but he's yeah. only fighting one enemy. Why are you calling them a mob? Right? He had questions about 
he had questions about the HUD. He had questions about, okay, why does he have an interface if he doesn't have a helmet on? Assuming that the only way he would be able to put something in front of his eyes is if he had a helmet. And there were there were a bunch of these questions that I assumed my reader would understand. Of course. But my yes. reader will, would only understand if they were specifically a gamer, a someone who played RPGs. I think that's a pretty good overlap of Gamelet. We've gone through some of the challenges that you come up with on it. We've looked at some of the uh, issues that might pop up, but as well, some of the like benefits. And a lot of even those challenges can crop up to make the work on the, on the author a little bit easier. Because you're looking at explicit rules. You have all the advantages of hey, there are explicit rules, which you can set up uh, that may not apply in real life. So there's, there Absolutely. are objectives you can't achieve just because the thing's too big. And that would be unacceptable in a real-life situation. You'd say, well, why don't you try this, this, and this? But you know your options are limited because of explicit rules. There's, uh, right. in, in essence, there are some tropes you can kind of lean on. You can wink at your community a little bit. And that can be a helpful way to draw people in but you don't want to fall over them and then there's progression which is a staple of the genre and is really really good for producing dramatic tension at times or pulling a win out of nowhere but at the same time if you get too caught up in it you can forget that the main point is your character developing as a person not as a avatar so if i was going to go and chase down some game lit where might i get it from what books are there so the best thing to do, obviously, is to just go to Amazon. Yeah. Um, that's where you're going to find the majority of this. Because this is... So Ready Player One could be considered game-lit, but it's, and it's a traditionally published book. Mm. Game-lit is not a traditionally published genre. For the Ready most, Player yeah. One, people talk about it when they talk about game-lit, but it's honestly not really game-lit. Yeah. Okay. Um mostly because they're not they're not playing an RPG. Right? They're yeah. not playing a game with progression. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh it's it's more like a uh a a digital club that everybody meets at. Yeah, it's a digital club and there's some adventure action yeah. and adventure in it, right? Okay. If you want actual game lit, the first thing you should do is read my books. <laughs> of course. Okay. Uh, the Titan series. Mm -hmm. So Nova Terra Titan, Nova Terra Greymane. I'm actually just, I just finished the third book. I'm polishing it and hopefully it'll be out. It'll be out pretty soon. Um, mm. And that's Nova Terra Kingbreaker. And, but there are, there are other books or there are quite a few other series that I would, I would recommend very highly. The yeah. books that got me into the genre called Way of mm. the Shaman. Excellent. And they were written, um, originally in Russian and then translated into English. Huh. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to note that actually this whole genre was, was created in Russia and has oh. been, yes, it's been imported to the U S where it's just exploded with popularity. That's wild. Yeah. Another good set would be the completionist chronicles. Yeah. And that's those are good because they are a a fairly diverse set of books that are mm. all kind of in the same in the same world. Yeah. Um, 
a similar a similar series where it follows a bunch of different characters in the same world would be the Delvers LLC books. Mm. And all of these are all of these are good examples of of uh gamelet. Um yeah. the completionist chronicles and Delvers LLC are uh are more American version or kind of fit the American understanding or cultural understanding a little bit better way of the shaman. There are a couple, there are a couple parts where you kind of scratch your head and then you remember that culturally the writer, the writer has some different ideas yeah. uh, about what's oh, interesting, not acceptable. So yeah, the, the Russian game lit tends to be a little bit harsher. Yeah. More people cheating, um, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there are some different cultural assumptions based on where the person, the writer, is from. Which sounds like a great topic for a world building podcast to delve into. It does. We'll have to we'll have to hit <laughs> yeah. that one up. But the easiest the easiest thing for you to do if you want to read Gamelet is is to go to Amazon and just type it in, or to go to SethRing.com. That is S E T H R I N G dot com, and click on the links that you'll find there. Yeah, I can say uh, personally, um, I am Seth's friend, and I, I will say this: I resisted involvement in uh, Novaterra and editing for a while because uh, part of it was fear that I wouldn't like it and I'd have to tell him. So <laughs> I bought the book in secret and and read it and loved it and then i read the second one and loved that this all took place in about four days and then i contacted seth and say i would like to edit your book so i can read the next one <laughs> <laughs> and so um we uh that that's kind of how a, a lot of this kicked off so i i can heartily recommend seth's work so go pick up your copy today on amazon we'll have a link in the show notes. that about does it for now on game seth thanks for the overview absolutely it's my pleasure Thank you for joining Seth and I on the World Craft Club podcast. Please go ahead and like us, subscribe to us on your preferred app. And if you use iTunes, rate us five stars if you think we're worth the rating. It really helps our numbers. If you're listening here, you're missing out on half the content along with loads of other goodies. So please consider becoming an exclusive club member at our Patreon page, starting at as low as $5 a month. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump on our webpage, worldcraftclub.com to get the latest updates on our blog. We're also available on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the World Craft Club Podcast. Thank you for listening.